Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Laura, it sort of feels like they should have sent us an email or something that they're changing all this weather music, all the yeah. intros. Yes. I like it. I do too. I think it sounds good. It's It sounds spiffed up and fresh. Yes. I think that's good. Like, you know, Star Tribune's getting the rebrand. We yeah. need a little bit of a little bit of rebranding for us, a little freshening. Tis the season. Absolutely. Uh, people who work for U.S. Bank mm-hmm. have to come to work now. Did you it's see that? It's not optional anymore. Yes. How about that? Yeah. Uh, three days a week. Here's the thing. When you and, – and I wonder what it's like – working at some of these corporations and I I've gotten over the like, Oh, should, you know, should we make people come back to work or not? I guess I'm bored with that topic. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, companies have to look and if, if they think the right way to go is to have people be remote cause they're worried about losing talent. Fine. It's a valid concern. Yep. But a company like us bank and same with target, if you work at Target corporate office, all the people who work in the store have to show their butts up to work every right. day. And the same with U.S. Bank. If you work in a branch, yes. you're hauling your butt to work, and you're probably making less money than the corporate goons are making. That's a good point. Like, don't you – I would feel – I would feel guilty. Mm-hmm. I would. Like, mm-hmm. and if I were a manager, I would feel like, how do I – how do I justify the fact that, you know, obviously some people have jobs that are white collar jobs that are desk. I think one of my Twitter followers used to call them like the pencil pushers. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, the pencil pushers, like those guys can work remotely. But if you're a custodian or if you're, uh, you know, uh, stocking the shelves or right. you're a teller, you go to work. And we get to sit on our, not that you're just like sitting on your couch, but it sort of feels like it, right? Yeah. 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 I, I hear what you're saying. It's just kind it's of tricky. a show of support. With yes. The, and, and, we're all in it together. Yeah. And the company culture. And um, yeah, I hear you. I That's, think it's interesting. There was, I forget which company it was. There was a Minneapolis company um, that has a corporate office here, but uh, a lot of their operations are factories. Okay. And very early post like the shutdowns of COVID, they were like, back all you corporate people come back to the office. Because Just like our factory people have All to do our factory it. people yeah. are in the office, so yeah. you got to be in the office, too. I like that. Yeah, I kind of like it, too. I like it, too. I think it'll be good for Minneapolis to have U.S. Bank employees mm-hmm. downtown three days a week. For sure. I mean, now you're sort of left with Target and <laughs> Hennepin County. Yeah. Right? Like, those are sort of the big ones that are U.S. Bank is the sixth largest employer in downtown. 4,200 employees uh, work in the headquarters. Okay. And the downtown council says, with U.S. Bank, now 11 of the top 15 employers 
have workers coming back at least two or three days a week. That's good. You can feel it, too, and notice it. Agreed. Especially midweek, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It's it's nice. It's bustling again down here, and I love it. I like it, too. It feels it. Uh, there's good energy to yeah. it. Yeah. It makes such a difference. It really does. Yeah. And I know that a lot of people who don't have to come in don't care about the energy here in downtown Minneapolis. And I get it. Yep. But it's it's really, it's important, in my opinion. Well, you you want, when you think about attracting, like, future employees and other people, like, there was a time, it wasn't that long ago, that we were all just so excited about how many people were moving downtown. Yeah. The energy. Yes. The Dayton's project was transforming Dayton's, and there's going to be this big food hall and all this. It just sort of, even if you didn't work downtown, you felt like, you know what? Like, we're doing all right. Yes. And so that energy is big. Saw this thing on... One of my favorite websites is studyfinds.org hmm. because it's, they, they like have, they compile all the dumb studies, not intentionally. Uh, they're just compiling studies, but a lot of them are dumb. This one I thought was very interesting. Uh, researchers finding that gossip is capable of providing a social benefit. Are you a gossiper? Not really. Yeah. I don't think so. I used to be more of a gossiper. Uh, not so into it anymore. Yeah. Because, I don't know, like, it's it's easy for it to go south. Yes. Right? You kind of have to learn that sometimes it's best to just keep your trap shut. And if you have a piece of information that you think is juicy that is going to make you look good by spouting it off to people, well, maybe kind of think again. So this is what I I thought was interesting. Negative gossip. You think, like, that's sort of the stuff that really drives people crazy. Yeah. The research found that most recipients of negative gossip just see it as complaining. Like, so they sort of, they don't give it, they don't give it any particular importance, which I thought... You you think, like, human nature, we sort of gravitate to the negative gossip, right? The juicy stuff. Yeah. But uh, in workplace gossip scenario, most people are like, eh, you know, it's probably just sour grapes or whatever. People sort of dismiss it. I see, yeah. But the positive stuff, when you're like, hey, I heard we're going to do this or like, well, I'll give an example of some gossip around here. Cook the other day says to me, and you're like, who's the biggest gossiper of this show? It's Dan Cook. <laughs> <laughs> he he does get some little scoops. You get there, some scoops. Yeah. Our our group we're not like we're not super gossipy. I would say Mm-mm. the biggest. What show is the biggest gossipy show of our day? Chad. It's probably Chad. Chad. Noon to three, and it's not close. Yeah, yeah, Chad is, and I, I, you know, there are positive gossip, positive aspects, and negative. Sure. The positive is that like people want to talk to you, so you pick up stuff. The negative is like, you never know like how much of it is nonsense, right? Mm-hmm. But Dan the other day was like, hey, Brad, our boss, came in the office or came in the studio and it looks like we're going to replace our, our board, our broadcasting board. So like getting some new equipment. Nice. Which is straight up gossip. It was pure gossip. It was true, but it was gossip. 
information. It was informational gossip. You wouldn't categorize that as gossip. I, I'm trying to, to, you know, that's when I think of gossip, that's not what I think. Right, no, I know. me neither. But that's what researchers say. Like, that is essentially gossip. Just information? There was no announcement put out. There was no, like, tell Jason we're getting a thing. There was no email that's like, hey, we're investing money. So-and-so told me that. No, nobody's sure it's even actually going to happen. Right. So it was, that sounds like gossip to me. So that's the positive. But when the researchers found when you're sharing positive gossip, which that was positive gossip. You're like, hey, company's investing some money in here. Maybe we're going to get some equipment that works. That's neat. Uh, that is people actually have greater information or greater interest in positive gossip. Yeah, that's good. I think it is good. I think it is good. Uh, weekend coming. Yes. You texted me today with a, a question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I've had a bit of a goofy day. Like, if you want, if yeah. you, uh, listener, are interested in my goofy day, go to the podcast and look at hour one. You were gossiping about my day, I heard. I wasn't gossiping about your day. <laughs> Didn't you send a link to the boss of the gossip? I just wanted to make sure he knew about this. That was not gossip. No, that was actually very that responsible. Was looking out for your talent. It, it, it was very responsible of you. Yes. I'm glad you did that. Um, you texted me. What did you ask me today? Well, do you remember how you phrased it? No. Here's the text. I have a weird request. Can you call me when you get a chance? <laughs> <laughs> so, and I call. I probably called you like ten seconds after it you was said quick. That. It yeah. was pretty quick. But that is that's one of the texts. Like, if because it came from you, I wasn't nervous about it. <laughs> but if, have you ever gotten a text like from the boss where it, with call no me. context? Yes. 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 That's the worst. Oh. Call me when you get a chance. Call me when you get a chance. And no you're like, punctuation. Yeah. Is this urgent? Is this not urgent? Am I in trouble? Did I, I do something wrong? What's mm-hmm. happening? Like, oh, I got, I, I would get those texts every once in a while over a TV. Yeah. And it never was anything. No. It was never anything like to be worried about. But right. Yet you feel that drop in your stomach. Your request was really fun. <laughs> I thought it was great. You wanted to borrow a tie. Yep. For your husband. He he's going on a business trip tomorrow or Sunday for yeah. a few days. So he found out he's going to be in, you know, through his workplace, he will be in federal court. So he needs to wear a suit and a tie, yeah. which he really doesn't Why have so have? much yeah. anymore. Not ties anyway. He doesn't have to wear ties to work right. anymore. So I thought, I, I think I know a guy with some ties. <laughs> I did not autograph it, so I didn't want to make it weird for him. I might have to forge your name just so he can walk around with a Jason DeRussia autograph tie in Montana. That's very yes. fun. I like that. Are you going to uh, enjoy this warm weather this weekend at all? Yes, I am. Um, actually, tonight I'm going skating at the John Rose Oval with my girlfriend, oh, Sarah. Awesome. I think this is the very last weekend before they have to shut that baby down. Sure. And then tomorrow, what's tomorrow? Is Roseville where they're looking for a name for a new park, Dan? You sent me that story today. I think it's Roseville where they're, and boy, would you want to be in charge of naming a park right now? Yeah. Would you? I would think that would be kind of fun and creative. I think, I feel like, yeah, the city of Roseville has a brand new eight-tenth of an acre park. Nice. Right on County Road B by Midland Hills Golf Course. But when you get involved in naming... You're either you're either coming up with something funny, like to name a snowplow, <laughs> or you're renaming something because it turned out that the person we named it after is a giant buffoon. We're offending somebody, yes. Correct. Right. Yeah. Scary. I don't think you can name this park after a person, do mm-hmm. you? What would be a fun name 
for a park in Roseville? That's a good question. But I like names like there. there's a street when I drive home that I pass all the time that I just love the name. And it's just called Sunny Slope Lane. Oh, yeah. And I think that's yeah. just delightful. That so is a nice Sunny name. Slope Makes park. you feel good. Yeah. The city in Roseville has a naming policy. They, Of course they do. <laughs> they like names that incorporate natural habitat, so like mm-hmm. vegetation. No one could be offended if you name it after vegetation, terrain, and animals. Yep. Although animals got to be – didn't we have like a, a middle school that had – their nickname was like the uh, – the, was it the buffalo or the bison? Is the bison. What's wrong with that? Uh is a sacred animal to some Native American tribes, and the middle school was named, I believe it was Dakota Middle School. So, But why is that offensive? I don't get it. It's not for us to get, Laura. I guess not. <laughs> but they like, I like that. I think that you just got to play it safe. You got to name it, you know. Like Dogwood Acres. Yeah. That's, no one, well, the cat people are going to be upset about that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You can't. You can't. Uh. You can't win. It's pretty good. Uh, have a great weekend. Enjoy that weather. Thanks. You too. I'll see you Monday. Sounds good. Laura Oaks, everybody, doing a great job with the news for us. As always, it's 520. We'll do the D-Rush Hour news headlines here in just a minute. Lots of good stuff in the news today. Oh, Dan Cook, what sort of nonsense sound does he have for us? We got an amazing Leap Day story. I was sort of poo-pooing Leap Day yesterday and now i'm turning turning that around apple's failure at developing a self-driving car and a video game lounge at the airport do you want a game before your flight coming up 525 on this first day of march time for the d rush hour news headlines awesome leap day story by molly guthrie on the front page of the pioneer press today Ah, yes, it was 100 years ago that Bernice Steinke was born in an ambulance on the way to a St. Paul hospital. Of course, she's only 25 because she's a leap day baby. Yesterday, on the anniversary of that ambulance ride, Molly visited with her as she looked back on her long life from her home in St. Paul. Now, 1924, leap day. Calvin Coolidge was the 30th U.S. president. George Gershwin just debuted Rhapsody in Blue. A first-class stamp cost two cents. (laughs) Pioneer Press reported there were at least five babies born on Leap Day this year, but only Bernice's birth was unusual enough to warrant a separate story. Headline reading, Child is born as ambulance goes to hospital. Drivers amazed when they hear wail with four miles to go. (laughs) You know, Bernice, like any 25-year-old, has goals. One of them is for a ride in a hot air balloon. Thursday, she's settled for putting her feet up in a recliner, opening birthday cards, visiting with her kids. Pioneer Press said, hey, how's it feel to be physically 100 years old, if only 25 in birth years? She said, sometimes it doesn't feel so great, but today I'm having fun. Pretty cool. How did Apple fail at its effort to develop a self-driving car? New York Times really breaking that down. So many kind of head scratchers in this story. Apple spent more than $10 billion. Remember when this was first announced 10 years ago and you're like, oh, man, Apple's killing it on everything. Of course, they're, yeah, I'm going to be driving an Apple car. 
The effort was codenamed Titan, but the Times reports that employees had a less flattering name for it. The Titanic is what they called it. They knew the project was likely to fail. The car effort scrapped and rebooted several times. Should it be an electric vehicle that would compete against Tesla? That's what I thought they were doing. Then they turned it into a self-driving car to rival an effort by Google. Then they turned it back into an electric car. Four different leaders, multiple rounds of layoffs. But the reality is developing software and algorithms for a car with autonomous driving features, it's really hard. And so that's why it failed. It is now over. Video game lounge at the airport. Makes sense. Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, Minneapolis St. Paul Business Journal reporting about Gameway, a Portland, Oregon-based company. Of course, this is from Portland. <laughs> the lounge would be called The Portal. This is a good idea, I think, right? You could play your favorite Xbox, PlayStation, or PC video games while waiting to catch your flight. They'd sell snacks. What kind of snacks do you think they're selling at the... At the portal, Dan. Energy drinks uh-huh. and uh, Doritos, protein bars, onions. Yeah. Uh, limited bar area. Not bad. 16 bucks to play for 30 minutes. I don't know. I think that's pretty fun. Pretty fun. One other tidbit from the Star Tribune talking about convention and sports travel that that is back in downtown Minneapolis, but business travel is still really slow. Meet Minneapolis said last year's advance bookings hit a high 579,000 rooms. So that's good, but that's because people are coming for events, right? The city had 700, more than 700 last year. Convention Center made more money. They're up to $18.5 million. Down from $21 million in 2019, but, you know, closer to where they should be. Lodging taxes up to $10 million. But the reality is... If you don't have people traveling for business to go see U.S. Bank and Wells Fargo and Target, uh, it's never going to be back. 5.30, that's the D-Rush Hour News headlines. We will take a break, and in just a moment, we are going to visit uh, with someone from Reno, Nevada. Reno, Nevada is one of the few states in the country that has had success in dealing with the problem of homeless encampments. And I thought the day after that terrible fire, exposing the fact that we have no solution here other than clearing out and having homeless encampments move, what are they doing in Reno that maybe we could learn from here? We'll talk about that in just a minute here on CCO. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. We have no answers as to what to do about these homeless encampments here in the Twin Cities. It's been an ongoing issue in Minneapolis and in St. Paul for years. Not long ago, when I was doing volunteer work for People Serving People, a homeless shelter in downtown Minneapolis, our challenge was convincing people that homelessness was a problem in Minnesota because we didn't have a very visible homeless population. That has changed. 
post-COVID. And in fact, it has ravaged some of our neighborhoods. I have empathy for the people who are in these encampments. They're all, it is a complicated problem. There are all sorts of issues from mental health to addiction to poverty. And then the safety issues, right? If you live near one of these encampments, if you live in the encampment, last night a fire or yesterday a fire wipes out what they call Camp Nino Kasi, and everyone evacuated. A couple people were hurt, two people, minor injuries. Luckily, that was as bad as it was, but it could have been much worse. So today I was thinking about anybody, anywhere in the country that's had some success. And what, you know, somebody has to, this is not a unique Minnesota problem. It's everywhere. Somebody's got to have some guidance for us. And I found the story of Reno, Nevada, where Reno was concerned it was going to become another San Francisco as far as homeless and the unhoused all over the streets. But Reno has taken action and had some success. Alexis Hill is the Washoe County Commission chair, and she joins us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Alexis, I'm so glad you joined us, and I'm so interested to hear what you guys have found and kind of what what made you take really aggressive action in Reno. Well, thank you so much for the invitation, and it's a joy to share some of the victories that we've had. It's still an ongoing issue, certainly, but um, we have seen a real um, reduction of homeless, homelessness on the streets of Reno, a 40% reduction since we opened our CARES campus in uh, the city of Reno. So tell me, what what was the situation that kind of led to you guys really uh, saying, as a city and a county, we, we need to get something more aggressive than what we were doing before? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. It was COVID. I think it really made our community wake up to the issue. We always had a homelessness issue in Reno, certainly, um, but it was not as visible as it was in COVID. Reno is a very desirable place to come and live now because we have a great outdoor um, uh, and be- beautiful outdoors and um, the cost of living is relatively low. And so that made rents go very, very high. So our homelessness population more than doubled. Uh, and so we saw that, you know, the evidence on the streets and we saw that we had to work together as a region. And what we did was for the first time work together to solve homelessness by using federal resources that CARES money and the ARPA money um, and um, invested it in one big campus for uh, folks who are homeless. And we have seen uh, dramatic results. What? What what were some of the challenges? Because here in Minnesota, part of the challenge that we have is that the city, the city of Minneapolis, looks at it and says, look, the homeless population, it's not just it's not just Minneapolis people. It's people from all over the region. So we as a city, we can't carry this burden alone. Did did you face some of that uh, as well? Oh, certainly. And I think the city of Reno actually was trying to do everything that they could to support the homelessness issue in downtown Reno. Um, And the county was supporting a women's shelter. Mm. And the city of Sparks had its own program as well. So everyone's doing their own silo. Everyone's doing their own thing. 
Exactly. And what we realized is, oh, we have to work together. We adopted the Built for Zero program, which is a program by Community Solutions that's received a MacArthur Genius Grant Award because it is helping communities just like yours, just like mine, uh, reduce their homelessness populations by looking at each individual and looking at how to meet their needs and also documenting in a federal system how you're helping them. So you don't have numerous caseworkers helping one person. You have one caseworker helping that one person find all of the opportunities for housing um, and support in your uh, community. And everyone works through the same system. So it's really been a game changer. We are talking uh, with the chair of the Washoe County uh, Board of Commissioners, Alexis Hill. What you know, you haven't wiped it out. You haven't wiped it out. No, Uh, certainly not. Is it possible? Is it possible to wipe it out? Because we just we have you know, the city comes in and clears out. Uh, one of these homeless encampments, and you see this all over the country. I know people have come to you guys to say, like, how did you do it? How is it working? But here you'll see, like, a homeless encampment get cleared out, which always seems cruel. But you also think about what it's like to be living next to one of these places, and that certainly seems cruel as well. But people just relocate. So even if you have open beds in some cases in shelters, people are saying, well, like, I don't choose that. That's not that's not the environment I want to be in either. Right, right. I think what we are working towards is um, zero uh, chronic homelessness. So we don't want folks to be um, both in our emergency shelter and um, on the streets for more than a year. And we're looking for zero veterans homelessness. We understand that folks are going to certainly um, lose a job, be out on the street, have a, a domestic violence situation, be out on the street, et cetera. Um, but we also know that there's no excuse for chronic or veterans homelessness. So what we do is um, we are stabilizing people. They come into the CARES campus. There's options on how they can seek their housing journey. They can do both the communal um, campus, but we also have a safe camp, these little mod pods where people could, if they're not comfortable with a communal setting, they can go and apply to be in the safe camp. And so we're meeting people where they're at. If they have a partner, they're allowed to be on the campus. If they have a pet, they're allowed to be on the campus. If they have possessions, they're allowed to be on the campus. We've organized all of that um, to ensure that we're... That's that's different. That is different because a lot of shelters, you can't bring a pet or you can't bring a partner or... Or it's or you're a single person and they're like, no, this is a family shelter. So so having that flexibility does seem key. It is. It is. We want to ensure that there's as few boundaries and barriers um, for them to come and accept support from the county. And we um, when we first opened the shelter, we didn't have enough staff and we. We learned very quickly we needed a one to 30, uh, one caseworker per 30 people ratio. We also are working with um, a local um, uh, community hospital who has, um, with COVID support and some philanthropy support, have um, set up a hospital next to our campus where our uh, constituents can get walk-up pharmacy support, can work with a nurse, can work with a mental health care 
provider. So we have everything on campus and the reputation for our campus has improved greatly and people are now more open to coming. Um, Certainly in the winter months, uh, we have seen an increase in population at the campus and we are not turning people away. We are ensuring that they get on site and we get them a caseworker. What do you do with addiction issues? Because that I think is a large, a large challenge in trying to get people into emergency housing. For obvious reasons, many shelters don't allow drinking or drugs, right? And so how do you deal with that? Because I I do get the sense that that is one of the major issues here in the Twin Cities as far as getting people into emergency shelter. What, What our rule is, is that you cannot take your alcohol or drugs on the campus. We search your bags. Um, there's not as much privacy as some people would like when they come on the CARES campus, but people um, understand that it's a safety issue because it's also you can't bring a weapon on site. Right. Um, and But you can be intoxicated when you come in our doors. It's not like we love that. It's not our right. favorite thing. <laughs> right. But certainly we're not going to turn you away from a warm bed because of intoxication. But we, are, we expect, and we talk to every person coming through our doors, we expect that you work with us on your housing journey, whether it's getting your ID, whether it's going to a job interview, going to the doctor, whether it's reaching out to some family members that may want to give you a second chance. We are asking you to start those steps of going on that journey. And a lot of people are bought into that program because you get rewards through our system. You get your own cubby, um, which is like a little a little mm. spot for you to have your bed and your belongings that's not in a communal area yeah. if you are further along on your housing journey or if you have a job. So we are doing an incentive-based program, and it, it is working. We have housed over 600 people in permanent housing with very low recidivism rates that actually have been decreasing. Um, the next uh, step is Tennessee support to ensure people are supported once they're in housing, which we're working on. But um, we are feeling like the the system's working. It's just we've got to continue to support it. Alexis Hill is with us from Washoe County near Reno, uh, Reno Nevada. Uh, what what advice would you give, you know, the people here in Minnesota who are, you know, just it, it's sort of that last that last mile of this. Many, many of the people who the real challenge, it, they don't want to go to the emergency housing. Obviously, you have, you know, a long term approach where there needs to be more affordable housing, more a support for addiction, mental health. All of that is still in play. But the problem, the immediate problem is, is that it's just not safe to have people living out on the street and and living in these encampments. Certainly. I mean, I will tell you that the city of Reno and the city of Sparks, um, who are within Washoe County, have adopted ordinances that make it illegal to camp um, or um, to be near um, the a body of water mm-hmm. for a certain or river for a certain amount of time or in um, a, a vehicle. Um, the county is considering those ordinances, but we also don't want to criminalize being homelessness because our, we run the jail and we don't want the jail to be overrun with folks who just need a house. So we're trying to balance that approach. Um, but I think the key is understanding, okay, we have so many resources in our community, and I'm sure y'all have amazing resources as well. How do we work together and coordinate the resources? We found we had 300 beds that were not being used because 
they had barriers to them. They had, you had to be sober or you had to be a veteran or you had, like you were saying, you, you had to be a, a family or you, you had to be single or whatever the case may be. And we are working with those organizations, those nonprofits to say, okay, what barriers make sense for you and your organization and what makes sense for the county and how can we work with you to get people in these open beds? So it's just a lot of talking to people in coordination. And the more, the more I work in local government, the more I see that that's the solution to getting things done. Really good information, Alexis, a little inspiration uh, to think about. So thanks for being with us. Alexis Hill from Washoe County, Nevada. 550 back in a minute here on CCO. Well, it's been a great week. It's been a great week. Lots of good stuff. If you would like one email that sort of wraps up some of the greatest things that we did this week, we had a terrific conversation with Nikki Haley earlier this week. If you go to jasonderussia.com, you can sign up for an email newsletter. I will send you a newsletter with like fun stuff to do over the weekend. Uh, some of the best segments that we had on the show. And there you go. You're all caught up. You can also listen wherever you get podcasts. And uh, if you're in the food interview specifically, we have Derusha Eats, which has, I don't know, 10 episodes of season two. There's probably 45 Derusha Eats episodes out there wherever you get podcasts. So check it out. There it is. I got to go to a kids basketball game tonight sam has no, a no, tournament no. all week you get to oh go yeah, 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 yeah. To that's what i meant that's how that works right? you have the privilege the honor. of supporting your kid in something he enjoys very much i'm sure i'll probably be running the clock i like to run the clock people think they can like come at me on social media and that's gonna get yeah, me down no it's not no but like do not come at me when i'm running the scoreboard the clock I run a tight shift. Do those buzzers have to be that loud? Well, I mean, we can hear. It's a big room, I know. They're different different volume levels depending on what room you're in. That's true. Yeah, which gym? I'll be in DE tonight ah, okay. for D Russia. There you go. Uh, go uh, sign up for the email. Enjoy the podcast. Have a great weekend. It's going to be so nice. Enjoy it. I don't know. I might be, I might be uh, doing some lawn work. Doing some yard work. Probably shirtless. It'll probably be shirtless this weekend. Feels right. Henry Lake is up next. Lake Show coming your way here on CCO. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.